1: I'm Ted Gioka, and we're talking savings, investments, and in your retirement right here on the on the Max Out Savings Show, as we always do. Our motto and our philosophy is to save aggressively and invest conservatively. That's save aggressively and invest conservatively. That's the key to building up wealth over the long term. And, and we always want to start that out by by telling you how to how to sit there and do that. And so you save progressively, and then you invest. Consider that means you save at least ten percent of your income. Uh, typically, it's best in a in a qualified plan, a four hundred one k plan, a four hundred three b, four fifty seven. The qualified plans you put the money in; it gets it comes out of your paycheck ahead of time. Now it comes out of your paycheck ahead of time. You get a tax deduction on the money, so you're going to get part of your money back at the end of the year, uh, which which is fantastic. Uh, you you paid yourself first, so you can go spend the money on whatever you want after that. But you don't have a car repair bill or a medical bill or or an unexpected expense come up that that halts your your savings for the month because it's gone in there automatically. And then you let the the power of compounding over the long term build up, build up wealth. And and that that's really the key key what you're looking for here. And and so in, in this world, it is so important. To, 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 to save money and build up because you're not going to be able to depend on the government. We're, look, we're, we're coming up, we're going to be discussing this to show huge fundamental shifts happening in the world. I mean, there are times in history when, when nothing happens for decades, and there's times in history when things happen in weeks and where, or months, and we're in one of those time frames now. And, and so so more than ever, it's going to be important to, to, to save money. I mean, if, if if you look at it, we've spent up. Uh, so far, we've got 2.3 trillion dollars worth of of of, of uh, rescues for the coronavirus, on top of a trillion dollar deficit. Now, the Democrats have conceded they were asking for an additional three trillion dollars, and now they've come down a whole trillion dollars to two trillion dollars. The Republicans at one trillion dollars. Uh, you know, the only thing that surprises me is the Democrats didn't ask for. Ten trillion and come down to five and basically just you know drop money from the sky, Uh, but but these these things aren't conducive to long term health and uh, economic health and this is the concern we have to deal with. So you want to protect yourself, you want to set your family up for the future, and, and, and because you cannot depend on these type of things, we we see an enormous number of people out there that depend on Social Security. Most seniors depend on Social Security. And, you know, a better way to say it is most retirees depend on Social Security, particularly the, the middle class uh, and actually lower class depend more on Social Security. The, the upper class depend less on it, which is, is it makes it actually tougher for them because they actually have to save more money because they, they don't have kind of the backstop of the Social Security on a percentage basis. And so, what we're looking at here is is you need to save. You can't depend on Social Security. If if we're running trillion dollar deficits, we're not running trillion dollar deficits. We're multi multi trillion dollar deficits. We're looking at a GDP, the debt to GDP we haven't seen since World War II when we were built. You know, building one ship a day, and you know tens of planes a day and shipping them over to Germany, over to Europe to fight Germany and Japan. And and our backs were, you know, against the proverbial wall. Uh, And and when it was an emergency and we had these type of deficits. So understand the type of financial situation we're in. We've got, uh, you know, 30 million people out of work, unemployed, or, or, you know, sidelined right now, and the, the the numbers we've seen on unemployment, it's come down to, I think it's going to go under 10%, but there's still a lot of people out there on unemployment, a lot of people furloughed, It, and, and, it, and it just, it, it's a tough situation with the coronavirus. So where do we go from here? A couple thoughts, but um, I'm going to expand upon this during the show is, I think the economy is recovering. I think it's going to take time. One of the, a couple of the d- disappointing – we're seeing a lot of big, huge structural shift. We're making a decade worth of technological changes in a matter of three to six months due to the coronavirus. A decade – I'm going to repeat that – a decade of technological changes are happening in three to six months. And and so this is fast-forwarding a lot of tech spending at money at all costs into the economy, which has boosted the tech sector up tremendously. Now, I, I think that's going to slow down dramatically next year when there isn't the panic to build out the home offices and, and, and the uh, remote offices and everything else that they're doing out there. Uh, but but we, so we're going to see a slowdown. It's also changed how people look at, at, at the world. It, 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 the 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 uh, Tucker Carlson on uh, the other night had a brilliant comment. How this what this is doing is it's creating a dramatic shift the coronavirus and then the looting and just the lawlessness in big cities is 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 fundamentally depopulating some city, major American cities. Some of the the numbers. I don't even repeat what I, you know, coming out of New York City. I'm not sure I can even believe there's so many people leaving. And, and it's the same thing in other parts. It's Chicago. I mean, rioting, there's some rumor of someone being shot in Chicago, and it's reparations time in in, in 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 the shopping district, and there's massive looting going on. And this time, the district attorney has decided to prosecute. The last time, she didn't prosecute anybody for the looting, so the everyone understood, hey, if I go loot... The, uh, why can't I loot? It's reparations, and, and look, we don't even get prosecuted. So everybody decides to loot, and, and and so, you know, and we've got these prosecutors in New York. We've got the, I'm not New York, but really in 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 Seattle, we've got uh, Houston, uh, Chicago, a lot of George Soros backed prosecutors that that you know are are in into rede- redefine the United States and change how we look at law and order in in, in the country and. And I'm suspecting a lot of this was put in place with the idea of coming up on the voting. And Soros wanted to get his DAs in place because they control the law enforcement. And, and then this controls the protests and also the voting, if there's voting uh, problems. It, it, and so this, this is a problem. And so people are seeing lawless cities. They're seeing coronavirus everywhere. And, and, it, and it's and so they're going out. They're going to the suburbs. They're going out to the country. I have talked about in on the show uh yeah, uh, and uh, uh, Lake Tahoe, the story Lake Tahoe, the people have never seen the type of, of, of buying in there. The, the same thing up in the, the hill country, it's the same thing everywhere. The Hamptons, uh, it, it, different parts, people just they want to get out. They, a lot. And one part of this is a lot of people are like, look, I'll just go out to a, my vacation home or I'll go work remotely. And they go, hey, this is pretty nice. You know, I was up with someone in New Mexico a couple of weeks back. They were working for... You know, one of the top tech companies in the world designing computer systems from, from, from the, uh, the, the condo up there. It was, uh, you know, and it's like, hey, this is nice. I'm looking out the window. There's some elk out there. I mean, this, this is, uh, people are like, well, I don't need to live in Silicon Valley. I don't need, need, need to live in New York City or San Francisco in, or Chicago and put up with this abuse and looting. Talk to somebody this weekend. Grocery stores. And they're like, you don't understand, Ted. The, the grocery stores, they can't stop anybody from, from shoplifting because the, the police won't come. If it's under $800, they won't prosecute them at all. So they won't do anything. So the security has to go, look, you need to give back the steaks you stole or something, or they have, they have to block the door and say, we need to give you to give those back. Now, if they just push their way through, then they got a free stake. They, they, they call the police. The police aren't going to show up for the shoplifters, or they, or the the security will go, look, you're I'm about to arrest you. Well, they really can arrest you, but most of these homeless people don't know that. And then this is the amazing thing. And that person was telling me that. And they were saying, this other guy that worked at the store made the comment. He, he, he was an immigrant. He's working immigrant at the grocery store. He makes the comment. He was from Burma. If this would happen in Burma that person would have been beaten. And and then he makes another comment. He he goes, "You know, that person is probably getting more benefits and income being homeless than I am working at a grocery store." This is in San Francisco. So the homeless person is getting more benefits and income then the person who was working, that's what he felt like, and he's still shoplifting. That's what you're dealing with. They're putting these people up in luxury hotels. They're paying. They're feeding them. They, tell, they, they said, Ted, they're put up at luxury hotels. They're feeding them, and they still come in and shoplift. This is the type of lawlessness and looting that's going on across the world. And then you've got these DAs, George Soros, back district attorneys. They're saying, look, we're not going to prosecute it under under its under $800. This is creating a, a lawless atmosphere in big cities. And so what's happening is people are moving. You're seeing these fundamental shifts. The world is fundamentally changing. And, and so it, we have a technology shift, a decade of technology shifted within months. We have lawlessness, looting, and, and people are shifting out of cities. And one of the disturbing things is how, much, how easy it is for the socialists and the communists to win. If you look at Mayor De Blasio, look—it's completely illogical what he's doing. If you think about it, he's not prosecuting people, he's not enforcing the law, he's allowing looting to going on in New York City. Then he rounds up all the homeless in New York City and he puts them into luxury hotels in, in the, on the East Side, uh, on the Upper West Side of New York, which is a real high-end, expensive area. So there's there's drug. There's druggies on the street shooting up. There's sexual deviance. I mean, it's just a horrible place. So the people in the upper, the wealthy people are all moving out. They're going to the Hamptons. They're going, you know, wherever. Some of them are moving to North, South Carolina. They're moving to Florida. They're getting out. And they're they're interviewing on the street. And they go, yeah, I'm trying to get out. I have to wait till my lease is up or whatever. And I'm leaving. Well, that's not logical. It's not logical that the mayor would be letting this happen. What? What, look, he's a social, he's a avowed socialist. What do the socialists do? They get in control, and then what they want to do is they want to drive out all the people that are going to give them the problems. So they they, they, you know, they try to get them fired from their jobs. They, they, they try to beat them up on the streets. They try to push them out. You look at Venezuela. There's a million, over a million Venezuelans that have fled Venezuela. Everyone with money that can gain gets out. Then you've got a group of people that are trapped. They can't get out. They're docile, and, they, and then you can sit there and create your socialist paradise. I think de Blasio deliberately trying to destroy New York City and drive out the people that might oppose him so, he, so they can move forward with this socialist agenda. The socialists out there, they're winning because we're letting them win. And we're letting these people bully us, push us around, and, and, and it's not right. If you say anything, you're a racist or whatever, we'll, not as all, we'll figure out we're all racist. And then once we get beyond that point, we can figure out what's right and what's wrong and do the right thing. And that's one of the important things. And it's not just there. I mean, I'm sitting around. I hate to bring up Tucker again, but I have to. Watching TV, relaxing on a Friday night, and what pops up but my alma mater at Texas A&M. God's country, okay? And what's the, they have come up with an app up there, so you can snitch, you can snitch on on your uh, on your uh, classmates that aren't socially distancing, and, and I'm like, and so you can report the person. And, and look, this creates this creates a level of distrust among students and things like that. Now, in fairness to A and M, look. They can make a lot of money with this app. I'm sure Texas A&M is already negotiating with Kim, Kim Jong-un up in uh, North Korea. North Korea is going to pay them several million dollars to use their snitch app so they can give it to all the North Koreans so the North Koreans can snitch on each other. This was actually the people that brought this to really refined it to perfection was the Stasi in East Germany. And, and so that, that it's possible that the Germans can sue Texas A&M, uh, because they're stealing some of their snitch technology. But again, this creates a trust. If, look, if A&M is that worried about their students, let me help them out. This will save Texas some money. We release a bunch of the, of the criminals that aren't that bad from the jails in Huntsville, move the others around, move all the students to the jails up in Huntsville. They can come out of their of their cell during for class time and then go back in. They'll be perfectly protected. They'll be completely safe. They'll be housed in the jails, but they'll be completely safe. But they'll be there for four years, and then they'll get out and have a degree. This is the type of stuff. This stuff is spinning into craziness out there with the coronavirus. Most college students have virtually no chance of dying from the coronavirus. And yet here we have A&M instituting controls that come out of 1984 to, to sit there and create paranoia on campus. I saw this. I was hiking in the mountains a, a, a couple of weeks or so, just recently. And so I'm up on this trail. I'm up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere on a mountain. And, and, and pe- I'm coming down there. and people put their mask on and they're like, and they're looking at me like I'm some type of, you know, some type of malcontent because I'm not wearing a mask out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like six feet from them as we're going by. And they're like, So then here comes the family. Well, the kids are all masked up. The parents are masked up. And then there's the grandfather, the grandfather. okay. so everyone puts their mask on quick. The grandfather kind of moves it to his chin to sort of, you know, make it look like he's about to do something. But he has no intention of doing it. He thinks he knows this is completely ridiculous. But the parents of the kids who are about 30 years old and have zero chance of anything happening to them for all practical purposes are in a complete fright. But this shows you the type of thing that that we need to look at this logically. Going back to Texas A&M, they're going to be testing, you know, hundreds of students a day, 5,000 students a week, massive test programs. Not to see – they're not – in some cases these colleges aren't going to test them, oh, I have a cough or a sore throat. They're going to test a certain percentage each week to check – well, what they're doing is they're taking up testing capacity for students that, quite frankly, aren't going to even be harmed by this thing. And then they're del- depriving seniors and people of, of that have issues that could die from the coronavirus the testing cases we need to have a logical way to handle this in the united states we need to cut the paranoia out and we need to understand that we're fighting a war we're going to get through it but we need to allocate the resources to the war the, to the people that need the help and quit letting these big organizations paranoia you know deprive students of their futures deprive students of a college life deprive other people of jobs and everything else in the United States. We need to look at this in a little more sane fashion. Tell so what, let's take a quick break and I'll be right back right here on the Max Out Saving Show.
0: The Max Out Saving Show with Ted Gioka is taking your calls now at 713-339-1070. Ted Gioka will return after these messages. Schydraulics.com. Once again, here's your host for the Max Out Savings Show, Ted Gioka.
1: Welcome back. If you have any questions or comments, you can always give us a call at 713 339 1070. By the way, you can catch the show live anywhere in the world by going to AM 1070 The Answer or just uh, Google in KNTH 1070 and Hit the Listen Live button, and in any world you, in the world, you can catch our show. We also have podcast available at the at the uh, uh, website, and it just, uh, KNTH's website, just go there and hit find the podcast, uh, go down to podcast, uh, and you can see the drop-down, and you can catch our podcast there as well. And also, we have a, a free max-out savings report, which we send out about once a month, Uh Detailing what we think on the markets, the world, and where we're going. So just just to finish up, we were just talking about Texas A&M A and M has a call it a snitch app or something where where if 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 another person sees a student sees the the kid not wearing a mask or 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 going out on the town or something, they can report them back and it, and and they're going to do massive testing. We have a limited number of resources, including a limited number of testing in the United States. And what I fear is we're going to get into the fall, people are going to catch the common cold and the flu, and think they've they got the coronavirus It's going to put huge stresses on the testing capacity. And if the big universities and the big corporations all lock up the testing capacity out there, it, 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 it's not going to allow people who are genuinely endangered, people that have uh, medical issues, people that are older that have real risks to the coronavirus, aren't going to have access to those tests. And we need to look through this a little bit. We need to understand we have limited resources and we have to allocate those resources to the people that need the resources, not just, a, you know, a bunch of panic-stricken uh, CEOs and, and uh, college uh, technocrats or bureaucrats. And, and that that's what worries me in, in this situation. That's why I bring this stuff up. I mean, the risk to most college kids is pretty small. The risk to most uh, school kids is extremely small. The risk to most teachers is small. The risk to older teachers, I I remember when I was at A&M, George Thompson, Dr. Thompson, famous mechanical engineering professor, Dr. Thompson was teaching into his late 70s up there. He was legendary, professor emeritus. Now, if if Dr. Thompson was here today, he'd have to probably teach remotely remotely. just because he has some risk. I mean, we have to understand that. But, you know, at these teachers, you know, younger teachers don't have much risk. And it, we have to understand and we have to fairly allocate resources to protect the people at risk in this country. And I think we need to understand that. I, I, again, I don't mean to be on a soapbox on this issue, but it, it just amazes me the level of panic in some people out there. It, it, and what's amazing, what really surprises me is the people more at risk tend to sit there and take a different attitude it, and then people that aren't at risk, and they are tend to be the most panic-stricken and the most desperate to get the resources, and they're like, wait, you don't even need these. So we'll see where this goes. Uh, a couple thoughts. On the same topic, limited resources, limited limited money. We have to understand we have limited money. And what, what I fear is, and this is where we're going here today, is I believe – the government, and particularly the Democrats, feel we have unlimited money. I believe the Federal Reserve believes we have unlimited money. And, and, and it's the same thing that we talked about with the uh, coronavirus. We're gonna, If you think you have unlimited money, you start recklessly spending the money, and it's not allocated into the proper places. If you don't go through the allocation and go, look, who really needs this money? Who really needs the help? And, and once you go down that road... Money becomes too cheap. And now the Democrats, uh, and, and, and at the Fed, there's people at the Fed that, that believe in something called MMT, in, which is one of the most dangerous things outside of socialism and communism the world's ever seen, which is modern monetary theory, which simply means that governments aren't like individuals and people. They can spend as much money as, as they want because they can just print the money. And, and as we've said, look, go through five thousand years of history. I mean, I, you don't have to go back to, to you know, you don't have to go back to the eighteen hundreds or the seventeen hundreds, you're sticking with with the tulip bubble. Or you, you, you can go back to the, you, know, you can go back before Jesus with the records on this. And I mean, there's pretty good records even in Jesus. People don't realize is there's actually pretty good records you can go to, you can dig up out there. And always the treasury tries to spin more. you know why? There's a coin. If you take pick a quarter up, it has serrated edges around it. Why is that? For decoration? No. You know why? That that was come out. The old gold pieces had that because what used to happen is the governments would call when they get the coins back in, they would trim a little bit off the edges each time to get more gold to make more coins. And so they so they put the serrated edges on so people could see that they're they're not trimming the coins. It, it, this is this goes back through history and the Federal Reserve wanting to gauge in modern monetary theory in print money have huge ramifications going forward. I'm going to explain that. Do we have a question, by the way? Ed? No questions. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you have a question. Go ahead.
2: Uh, Ted, yeah, it's me, Randy. Uh, i got a couple hey, things th- th- I was thinking at. Uh, one, that, uh, I'm usually with the president on most of what he's doing, but I'm not too hot about this uh, payroll savings. Uh, the, the payroll deduction he's he's, yeah. he's fooling yeah. around with, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, it, it's kind of like forced savings. Now, if, if, if what he's talking about is reducing contributions to Medicare and Social Security, two programs that are already in financial limbo, you know, I don't think that's going to help. What I'd like to see is that they cut all taxes, income taxes, property taxes, sales taxes, fees, all this stuff that they're doing, and... Uh, and then any any politician that votes for any kind of shutdown automatically loses his paycheck. Now, along that same line, uh, one thing that's kind of got me a little worried here is uh, the other the other night I noticed on TV that uh, uh, the, the the rioters or looters are heading out in the residential neighborhoods and they're, they have bullhorns and they're telling all these people out there, uh, you know. Uh, 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 you're, you're a bunch of racists. You owe us reparations. Get out of your house. Open your wallets. Give us all your money. Now uh, they just walk around with bullhorns. But if they go up and start knocking on somebody's door and pulling people out of their homes, I think I think the shooting is going to start.
1: Well, like they, you saw these tactics in Nazi Germany. Well, what did they do to the Jewish people? They started threatening them, and they started you know they they attacked their stores. And, and 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 at first they try to just drive them out and, and push them back by by intimidation. It, it, these are the these are socialist tactics. I mean, almost by the book. I mean, there's there's actually books on this stuff. You know, uh, with his name? Um, uh, uh, Rules for radicals. Uh, those type of books. It, it, these people are all highly trained.
2: Uh, well, yeah. If yeah. you see, if you if you, uh, uh, I think uh, you see Walter White. Victor Davis Hanson talking about it the other day that uh, of what uh, if you if you really look into what you know the the Communist Manifesto says in the writings of these Engels and Marx that uh, yeah a lot of what they're doing now is uh, is what they were talking about in, back in the eighteen hundreds.
1: Yeah, no, it's just, it, it, we just repeat. We saw this is just this repeated. We saw this in late twenties. And into the '30s, like this, exactly the same thing. The brown shirts in Germany was very similar to Antifa. And by the way, Antifa—you know, a lot of those Antifa guys use fake names. It's not like at the protest, call me Bob, you know, Randy. It, it, It's—it's—they—they it, they use those those fake names all the time when they're working and talking to people everywhere, and even in their in, with friends and stuff. So nobody knows who they really are. No, believe me, this is all. It's all intimidation. It's it's all right out of socialist and communist handbooks. And, and it's time we start standing up to it.
2: Well, yeah, the antifa and the Black Lives Matter. It's all run by a bunch of commies and George Soros types. That's what this is. And I'm just I'm wondering. Uh, uh, I don't know. You see, it seems that uh, right now people are kind of like they were in Nazi Germany when they kind of let the Nazis run wild and do whatever they wanted to do. But I'm thinking now with so many people buying guns that eventually you know some you know somebody gonna come and knock on your door or try to steal your car or something like that. And people are gonna start shooting because like you said there, there's no police, they can't do anything and when they do arrest the, the people then they're let out immediately to go back on the streets and be looting. So yeah, yeah. I don't no, I, I, to- I, I, I don't know I'm I'm not I'm not saying i you know I mean where do you go? If you go out well, into couple, the country and thought. people get out there they're doing the same thing. where, where do you go then? Well, now
1: out in the country, they don't. They tend to be a lot more conservative. Yeah, uh, that's not even a race issue. That's across the board, and uh, look, that's why it was so important for that St. Louis radical DA to sit there and prosecute that that uh, little cu- the couple that would you know just stood in front of their door with a gun, and even they didn't do anything, and they were being intimidated because they're trying to set an example. Because again, these are these. Are, uh, you know, you made the comment, there's commies, you like, look, we used to say that all the time. But honestly, these are truly, as you point out, true communists and true socialists. And so these are tactics they use to intimidate. And so what we have to do is we have to stand up. And maybe not with the gun, but you have to start standing up and calling these people out for who they are and stand up. Because if you don't stand up, these are exactly the same tactics the Nazis used to try to intimidate people into not standing up. And and and, and, and they've been getting away with it, quite frankly. They're getting more and more emboldened, as you point. Now they're going into the residential neighborhoods and threatening people there. And, and it's, a, it's a real problem.
2: Well, a little by little... uh uh, we're going to have to do something here, and I'm not like I said. I'm not sure that there's going to be some kind of civil war, or something like that. I don't think the issues are quite the same, but eventually people are going to have to start defending their own property, and that's what they're going to do.
1: Yeah. No. Look. Yeah. Good. Good call, Randy. Thanks. Look, I think that's it, it, people have to start not standing good. up. I mean, they have to vote. They have. They have to call these people out. In in and, and look, it, it's not easy. I mean, it, it's interesting. Randy made the comment about a civil war. I, I mean. I have heard that from so many people and so many extremely smart people. People are very worried about this, and so this is why we have to get out and vote. This is why we have to enforce the law. I think you enforce the law. Look, it's all there for us to, 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 how to get out of this. You enforce the law. You enforce the law fairly. You make sure that things are fair on an, on a racial basis, and there's no, you know, which I think actually we're doing a really good job of, quite frankly. And, and 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 you move forward. But if, if you just keep bending the law and say we're not going to enforce the looting, we're not going to enforce the riding laws, these people get more and more and more emboldened. In in and, and, and look at the people in New York City. No one would stand up to de Blasio when the city is being depopulated. I mean hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people. It's being depopulated. And and it's a huge change as you're going to see huge banking problems. You're going to see uh, uh, real estate problems. This thing is just now cropping up. Now, here's the good side. This economy is starting to come back. We, look, no country has done what we have. Look. We haven't done the best job of controlling the uh, the, uh, the coronavirus. We have done the best job of coming up with treatments for the coronavirus. We've done the best jobs of innovating our business to handle the coronavirus. We've come up with the, the best for innovating technology to work through the coronavirus. Which is that's what the American people do. We're not we're not some socially managed you know totalitarian society where you lock down everybody and they can't leave their home. It, but we we don't do that. And it seems somewhat uh, chaotic, but out of the chaos comes an incredible amount of innovation, comes an incredible amount of, of, of ingenuity, and that's what drives the U.S. economy. And that's why we're, we're outdoing everybody else. So what they do is they point out, well, look, their testing isn't as good, or, or they have the cases all over, they can't control anything. But I don't see any innovation coming out of Europe. I don't see any innovation come out of South America. I, I, I see a lockdown in China, and I'm not sure what's going on over there, a totalitarian state. I, I see I see Silicon Valley. They've basically been locked down for months, and they, they've all moved out elsewhere, and I see massive innovation going on all over the place, even from people's homes, and that's what's fundamentally different about the United States. That's why we're recovering the way we are. The problem we're running into is, is twofold. Number one, we've got to understand Capitalism, free market, democracy is what gets us, got us there, and what's built this country and what is creating this, and we have to stand up for it, and we've got to put the socialists and the communists, and they're literally socialists and communists, back where they are, and, and we go, look, the law is the law, and we're going to enforce the law. So we'll see. So the other thing is, is the spending, and what I, th- what I fear on this is the spending is going to get out of control, particularly with the Democrats get in. Gold is going up. Gold is, the, is, is, I think, the second top performer. Uh, year. Gold's up 25%. Silver's up 43%. The S&P 500's up 4%, and the Dow's down 2%. So gold and silver are, are exploding higher. What's, what's going on? Now, let me explain that. Tell you what, we're going to take a big break, and I think these have big ramifications for your retirement. I think there's another fundamentally shift. We talked about 10 years uh, in three or four months in technology. We talked about the, the, the depopulation of cities moving to the country and suburbs. Big changes. There's another big change, and it's going to affect your retirement plan. It's called inflation stagflation. We'll be back right after this quick break and discuss that right here on the Max Out Savings Show.
0: If you've got savings and investment questions, Ted gioka has answers. Call the Max Out Savings Show now at 713-339-1070. We'll be right back.
1: If you would like some help managing your retirement, go to MaxOutSavings.com to set up an appointment. That's MaxOutSavings.com.
3: Hi, I'm Sam Malone. You know me as the host of The Morning Show right here on AM 1070, The Answer. But I'm also the owner of Houston's cutting-edge media company called 512 New Media.
1: Welcome back to the Max Out Savings Show. A uh, couple thoughts. Uh, if, you, if you haven't gotten our free Max Out Savings report, sign up for it. It's at the, go to our website maxoutsavings.com. That's maxoutsavings.com. You can also request an appointment with me and I'll sit down with you and go over your financial situation. The We're talking about the big shifts, the big fundamental shifts here. And and it's our thinking is that this is closer to the the Depression, closer to World War II, closer to the Vietnam War, the the inflation. Those are big changes that happen. Now, I don't mean it's going to be a depression, a war, whatever, but what I'm saying is those are big change points, and this is a change point here. And one of the things I think is, is, you know, we talk technology, we talk the, the movement out of cities, depopulation of cities. We we also talked about uh, other one I think is going to be inflation, and and I think this is a structural shift. If you look at it, we started the year with a trillion dollar deficit. We 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 the coronavirus struck, and and the economy started falling apart. We had to do a lockdown. We we, we look, we were caught unprepared. Uh, we had personal protective gear. Most of it was coming out, was imported, enormous amounts of it was coming from China, and China, what they did is, is, is they halted the export of it, or they redirected it, and we had trouble getting it. We had shortages of the gear, uh, it, and so we had to slow things down. We said at the time, in February, it might even be in January, we talked about this. People didn't even know what we were talking about at the time. We said, look, this is a major problem. <clears throat> I said I'm hearing it's a flu. I said there's no way China's shut down. We said China shut down eighty percent of their uh, capacity over there. There's trouble. There's going to be trouble with the supply chains. You heard it here on the Max Out Savings Show, and, and and so, so what we what, what we're seeing here is is a um, it, it is. We had to get it going. We had to slow things down. We had to get it so we could get enough gear. We had to drag this thing out so we could treat people. If everyone would have gotten it at once, everything would have collapsed. But we've drawn it out so people get it over a year, and some people don't get it. And we, we during that time, we're able to treat it, and so things are improving. But we had to, So we had to spend $2.3 trillion. Now the Democrats want to spend another $3 trillion Okay, so we're already at three point three trillion this year deficit spending. They want to spend another three trillion on a twenty trillion dollar economy. So we're having the biggest deficit since World War II. The federal the 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 M one has gone up about eight over eighteen percent in the in three months with three or four months, which is extraordinary. I, I think it went up about a little, a little eleven and some change last time in two thousand eight. And most of that money stayed at the top in Wall Street the state big firm this time it's coming into the economy and this this massive deficit spending is going to be inflationary do we do we have a call eddie hello can we have charles online good morning yeah, go ahead you had a question for us
4: yeah, uh, yes ted uh, i had called last week uh, asking about uh, and i don't know that i i i may have missed uh, your response but i had asked about the uh uh, credit rating for the city and i'm- a- only asking that because I heard on the news just i guess within the past week that Lena Hidalgo is proposing uh i guess uh, a property or i guess it's a property tax increase of eight percent and I'm just wondering what's the what's what's the deal behind us are is, are we in uh, i mean is the city of the finances in that bad a shape or i mean uh, what what exactly is going on here, and do you think is that justified?
1: You know, that, that that's a good question. Um, I, I, look, I don't think it is. I haven't looked into this as closely. A couple thoughts. I think property values are going to come down some, so she's going to try to get an increase. Lena is the uh, county judge, so that's the county taxes that they're looking at, not so much the city. But, I mean, look, I mean, things are slowing down in the city. I think the answer is is to do more cuts in the city. I, I want to say we're A. a a something in Houston. I don't think we're in as bad a shape as as we're 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 deteriorating some, but we're not as we're not Illinois or New York or or uh California where there's massive outflow of people, uh businesses slowing down. So I think we're still in pretty good shape. And my philosophy with municipal bonds is you want to own south of the Mason Dixon line out west except for California. Uh, those tend to be those, – those. you tend to have pretty responsible people in many of those places, and, and you want to avoid places, Illinois, uh, Ohio, uh, really Illinois, New York, California, like the plague, because a lot of those places are in trouble with, with massive – they have deficits, but the real scary thing is, is their pensions are completely out of control. Although we have pension problems here, it's nothing like what goes up, up, up uh, with the democratically controlled northern cities
4: it seems it seems that the timing on this is not the world's best i mean people people are, are companies I don't think have stopped laying people off in that true sense of the word, so people being thrown out on the street, so to speak, and then they're wanting to increase taxes. It seems to me when you when you increase taxes is when Things are, are really taking off, and things are booming, and I, I, it just doesn't seem like we're even there yet. Uh, you know. Yeah, so.
1: I think you got to push. Yeah, well you, and by the way, I agree with you. What, look, one of our big concerns coming into the fall and next year, I think there's going to be more layoffs at big corporations. I think there's going to be continuing rehiring in smaller, mid-sized companies. That I think the big corporations didn't lay people off, and I think they're going to, and that's my big fear. But now's not the time to be raising taxes. I, the only place I would be raising taxes is look. I think it would be fair to do a, a surcharge on corporate America who are running around reporting record profits in the face of of, of a pandemic where millions of people have lost their jobs. And I don't, I, quite frankly, I don't have a problem with the surcharge on big corporate America.
4: Right. Right. And, and and as far as the oil companies, where where do you, how do you see that playing out moving forward here? Uh, do you think it's just going to be more trying to just trying to keep things stable with them, or do you see a further reductions going on there?
1: Uh, a couple thoughts there. That that's a good question. What what I'm thinking is is two things. I, I think oil is in here bottoming up. Uh, i I think I think the dollar is going to go lower, and that's good for oil because it's priced in dollars and and I think hopefully we're going to see some things out of the Middle East where we could see they start working together more to control the price of oil and and so I think it's going to stabilize, and here's what I'm kind of hoping because of the lower dollar, especially The other thing is look, I heard the big tobacco companies it was the end of tobacco, and that was it. And and if you look at those companies, they went up two, three times over the last decade when supposedly it was all coming to an end. I think the old companies are going to continue to restructure. I think they're going to get their costs down, and I think they're going to become they're, – they're all – instead of aiming for production like they have in the past, they're aiming for profitability. Now, someone like Exxon is spending a lot of money, but they've got some real crown jewel fields they're putting in. In building out, and, and most of the the big majors also have chemical companies, which are going to do well over time too. So, I, I look if you if you look at on valuation of the S and P five hundred, it's near record lows of uh, percentage of valuation in the S and P five hundred. So, I, I like the oils, and they pay good dividends. The, the bigger companies, the more stable ones.
4: Right, right. Okay. Well, thanks for your in- insight, uh, Ted.
1: Okay, thank you. I'll try to get some more information on Houston on that. As I always talk, look I think the dollar is going lower if you look at this if it, it, the dollar has been dropping into this year it kind of bottomed in here just over the last week but looking at looking at a chart and this is one of the things and this has got to do with gold too real interest rates uh, on the 10year are about point nine negative 0.94 now keep in mind negative 0.94 that's real that's an inflation adjusted interest rates and the 10-year bond was at 0.5 percent. Recently, which is right near a record low, it traded lower in all history, one day in a panic around March 9th when everything was shutting down, and then the next day it traded back up to .7. So really this was the, it's only one other day in history. So it, it was down at record low rates. But if you factor in inflation, you get a real interest rate and so the real interest rate was negative, negative .993. Actually, the number I'm looking at, yeah, negative 0.96. On inflation on a ten-year bond, which means you're losing money in a ten-year bond because rates are so low. So, what's happening is is that's making gold and silver pretty good assets to own because if look if I'm getting negative inflation-adjusted rates on bonds, why not buy the gold, which is going to go up over ten years, and I'll make more money there. We're seeing a shift. Warren Buffett this week they had the uh, the reporting coming out quarterly reporting on what they bought. At Berkshire Hathaway, the biggest purchase they made was Barrick Gold. You know, Warren Buffett, has been notorious for claiming gold was worthless, is all of a sudden moving into it. But, you know, people don't realize his dad, his father was a congressman. Uh, I forget what his name is, uh, Buffett. uh, But he was a Nebraska congressman, one of the biggest gold bugs out there in his time. And Gold's time is coming back around. Warren Buffett is moving into it. This is a structural change. We're going from... From a deflationary time over the last number of years, rates falling to inflation. Now, do we get stagflation where we get a slow economy or, or with inflation, or do we get coming back up with inflation? If you look at the price of food, if you look at the price of automobiles, if you look at the price of everything out there, it's going up Generally. And that's inflationary, and the inflation is probably more than they're letting on. Yeah, housing is dropping some in rental houses where people are fleeing the cities, and if they factor that in, it looks like it's not there. But inflation is coming back. We have monetary theory at the Federal Reserve. Some people at the Federal Reserve, the Democratic Party is a huge proponent of modern monetary theory, MMT, which means they can borrow as much money as they can. So they're going to continue to spend money and have the Fed print it and buy their debt, monetize the debt. We just talked about the M one is up eighteen percent. Once there's something the other part is the velocity. Velocity is near record lows. I think this quarter velocity is going to take off sharply to the upside and continue to accelerate. That's going to be inflationary over the long term. Gold is telegraphing that. Gold's had the biggest returns. We've been talking about this gold gold and silver for a number of years in the show we've said you want to be in this sector. We've had huge gains in the sector. We've actually had to sell some because it's gone up so much. And I think it's going to continue. I I think it's had a big run. This is a structural shift. Gold, because if all these central banks around the world are rushing to print money, the currency is ultimately going to depreciate. Then you said, well, Ted, that didn't happen in 2008. What was different is all the Fed money went into the big Wall Street banks. This time it's being injected into the economy, uh, $1,200 checks, uh, $600 and $400 extra for for unemployment, all of these things, all types of programs to small and medium-sized businesses, trying to get the economy going. That's creating look. Ordered a pair of glasses yesterday. I had to come back get glasses. I lost my glasses. It was a big problem. But so to have a backup pair and, uh, but you know it's. They're having trouble getting some of the glasses out of China. It, 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 it sounds like it's going to be like two weeks to get the glasses here. I'm hearing uh, someone with some of their buying a dishwasher, delay in getting the dishwasher, all types of things. There's delays, there's parts problems coming out of China, supply chain issues. I, I've heard these supply chain issues come. They're, There's some type of problem in China because the stuff the the, the supply the supply chain is not doing as well as it could. To listen to China tell the story, things are doing functioning perfectly well over there. Well, why can't you get product out of China anymore? There's some type of issue. And and so that's gonna be more inflationary. What was the biggest driver for deflation in the last twenty years? China. That's now reversing. Now we're having to move the supply chains out of China. It's and more expensive. We're moving to the United States. That's more inflationary. So I think the gold and the silver structurally are going to be a pretty good place. You've got to start planning for your portfolio. When net rates are negative, long, negative 1% rates, uh, that's going to be very good for gold and silver. It's not good for, for bonds. You're going to have to be careful with your bonds because if inflation – if rates are going to start going up. Now, they're not going to go up right away. They went up some, but the Fed is is what they've, they've committed to keep rates low. So this is a problem. So we're going to have to plan more for inflation. Tell you what, end of the show here. Go to our website, and I'm going to write about this in the Max Out Savings Report. This is the big story going forward. So go, just go to maxoutsavings.com, sign up for the report, and we'll see you next week right here on the Max Out Savings Show.